Coming up on today's Locked On Diamondbacks podcast, part two with Sully Baseball looking at the biggest needle move transactions this offseason. And of course, I gotta give my reaction to Carlos Correa going to the New York Mets. So that's what we're discussing on today's Locked On Diamondbacks podcast. You are Locked On Diamondbacks. Your daily Arizona Diamondbacks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into the Locked On Diamondbacks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You're listening to who? The always charismatic host of this podcast, Miller Thomas. I'm a multimedia journalist and I'm a graphic designer, so please go check out my website, millerthomas24.myportfolio.com. I'm there you can see all my latest work, from my packages to my articles to my photos and my graphic design. If you want to see more content by me, just follow me on Twitter, at CreatorThomas24 for my personal account, or look up Locked On Diamondbacks on both Twitter, Instagram for the podcast handle, and of course, Thank you for making Locked on Dimebacks your first listen every day. Would not be able to do this podcast without you, my loyal listeners, sharing, subscribing, reviewing, doing all that so I could do this podcast for you. Thank you. It's free and available on all platforms, so please continue to tell your friends. On today's episode, we got part two with Silly Baseball. I first need to put out a disclaimer. We are moving to three days a week with podcasts. So if you're wondering why did he drop an episode on Monday and then wait till Thursday to drop another, because we were down to three days a week. Most weeks it will three days a week until I think pitchers and catchers report. And most weeks it will not be Monday, Thursday, Friday. Monday, Thursday, Friday is the schedule. I only did this week because uh, my, my schedule is a little messed up. It's a little bit in flummox with the holiday season. So that's why I'm doing Monday, Thursday, Friday this week. But most days it's either going to be Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, or Monday, Wednesday, Friday. I haven't decided which schedule I prefer, which format. But but for today's pod, go back and listen to Monday's pod so you can hear part one of the biggest needle move transactions with Solid Baseball because we're dropping the rest of the list today. But before we get into the list, we have to talk about the Carlos Correa news because admittedly, Carlos Correa was on the biggest needle mover transactions list, but he was on it for the move to the San Francisco Giants, and now he's moving to the New York Mets, and so I would have to redo the list. It's a little bit too late for that. Sully and I recorded it on Sunday, so we don't really have time to amend the list, but I want to talk about Carlos Correa to the New York Mets because I got to be honest, I was taking a red eye from Arizona to New Jersey, so when I landed and got off the plane, my phone was blowing up from my locked on MLB group chat for this Carlos Correa move because remember, we did a crossover with Ben Caspic of Locked On Giants just last week where he was talking about this Carlos Correa move and he was so happy, so ecstatic. Go watch the YouTube video with Ben Caspic because he's got a Carlos Correa season sign in his background. Go watch his now from last week because Ben Caspic was feeling himself a little bit too much saying these other smuck franchises aren't even able to get the Carlos Correa's of the world and then all of a sudden we thought he was going to be introduced on Tuesday presser gets postponed medical medical concern comes up and you're like what's going on here personally when I saw the presser was postponed and there might be a hold up in the deal I really thought it was going to be a non-story I was going to tweet that out I was going to quote tweet one of the things and be like man this is really a non-story like why does this matter 
I never thought he was going to leave the Giants. I thought it was just a non-story. Yeah, there might be a little bit of concern. Maybe they renegotiate the deal a little bit, but was I like, oh, yeah, he's not going to the Giants on a long-term deal anymore? No chance. That thought never crossed my mind. I thought people were just overreacting to nothing, and... And boy, was I wrong because I landed, I turned off airplane mode, and my phone was buzzing. Carlos Correa to the Mets on like a 12-year, $315 million deal. I was bewildered. I was shocked. My jaw was on the ground. I was like, I hope, I I was like, I need my mic on me right now. I'm ready to record a podcast before the plane deboards because I was hyped up after seeing this because, sorry, Giants fans, the NOS was looking more stacked. It looked like it was going to be more tough for the D-backs to compete in that division. And we already know, pre the Carlos Correa move, I wasn't really that in on the Giants. Carlos Rodon was a free agent. I didn't love their team. I was like, okay, Mitch Hanniger is a good signing. Jock Peterson's a good signing. But you need more foundational pieces on that roster. And Carlos Correa was going to be that dude for the Giants after missing out on Aaron Judge. But now... This offseason is turning out to be an all-time disaster for San Francisco fans. The only fan base having a worse offseason is probably Boston Red Sox fans. I'm sorry to the people out in Boston, but if you're out in the Bay, you're not feeling too much better. Not only did you miss out on Aaron Judge, not only did you miss out on Carlos Correa, don't forget Carlos Rodon signed a mega deal with the New York Yankees, and now I think the D-backs are back in business for fighting for third place in the NL West because I was never that in on the Giants, but I was like, okay, after Carlos Correa, that makes them a little bit more relevant. They're a very good franchise. They're a franchise that knows how to develop internally, and they always seem to find these random mishmash of pieces from the waiver wire or just random free agency pieces and are able to turn them into good players, but look at that team now, and I'm back to where I started. You don't have Rodon. You didn't add a major splash in free agency. Now it's like, what? Supposed to be care. I'm supposed to be scared of a Ross Stripling uh, addition to your roster. I'm supposed to be scared of a Mitch Hanniger. No, the D-backs are definitely on the Giants level, and I think the D-backs are a little bit better than the San Francisco Giants. This was a huge gut punch to Giants fans and to New York Mets fans. Wow, you can definitely rejoice. New York Mets baseball is back. Even if they don't win the World Series, just the philosophy that you're seeing from their Mets owner. I wish the D-backs could bring in an owner that wasn't afraid to spend money like Stephen Cohen because I think, according to the reports, he's now spent around $800 million this offseason. Whether they win the World Series or not, I don't care. As long as they put a competitive product on the field that's in the mix for World Series over the next few years, as long as they're in a World Series window with the real chance to compete, I think that's all you can want from a fan base. It's so hard to win a World Series, but being in the mix every single year, getting to World Series, getting to Championship Series, that's still super fun for a fan base, especially a fan base like the New York Mets that have seen so much misery. But even though they've added Carlos Correa, I do like that lineup, but I don't think it's as stacked as the Padres lineup with Bogarts now or even the Phillies lineup with Trey Turner. So when you guys listen to this podcast where I currently have Carlos Correa slotted in the needle mover transaction power rankings, I think I would still have him in the slate in the same position because I still like the moves that were made ahead of him in the power rankings a little bit more, even though the move to the Mets 
was a huge move, a huge addition for them. Definitely solidifies them as World Series contenders. Go listen to my analysis that you hear in part two with Sully Baseball, breaking down the biggest needle mover transactions because I wouldn't change the order. I would still have it in the same order despite Carlos Correa jumping ship from the Giants to the New York Mets. It still doesn't change the order of my power rankings because I still feel the same way as you'll hear in part two with Sully Baseball. So I just want to say sorry to Giants fans. The D-backs are now back in the race for third place in the NOS and are definitely back into wild card mix because I'm no longer scared of the San Francisco Giants. I can't believe this happened. I can't believe this actually turned into a major story and now we're seeing Carlos Correa go to the New York Mets. This might be one of the best off seasons we've seen in the last decade plus. Now let's get into that conversation with Sully Baseball. There's another big name out there you haven't mentioned yet, but uh, let's just keep let's keep talking. Um, okay. I, I'm going to give, I'm just going to um, you gonna jump in? I'm gonna jump in a little bit. Um, I think the Mets, who got punched in the face by losing Degrom. Now I understand why you don't give Degrom a huge contract. I do, because he's not as young as you think he is. He's in his mid thirties, and injury-prone players in their mid thirties don't suddenly become workhorses. And so I can understand that to a degree. Why they, you know, logistically and emotion free, but it is a gut punch because DeGrom was such a beloved figure in New York. Bringing in um, Verlander, uh, signing uh, Sanga from Japan, and maintaining, uh, re signing Brandon Nimmo at least tells the fans, sure, we lost DeGrom. We're still going for it. Mm-hmm. We're still in, we're still in full speed ahead mode. And the contracts of Scherzer and Verlander, which are of incredible annual values, are, I think they're both, I think they will both be done year after next. So these, they're not, they'll be able to spend again in a couple of years for big players. They brought in Scherzer and Verlander to win right now. And Senga is here to give them so I, I hope I'm pronouncing his name correctly, is to give them depth right now. And Nimmo is there to give them some stability right now. So those moves I'm also bundling together because it's the Mets saying, oh, same old Mets. They lose DeGrom and blah, blah, blah. They said, nope, not same old Mets. We're still going for it. We're still trying to improve the team that's on the field. And um, and I think this is uh, – and I believe Quintana was also signed. Yeah. by the Mets. It gives them, so now they're, they're trying to get the pitching depth. You know, there's a team that, that, you know, Met fans talk about this as if this is the, the, the 120 loss uh, Mets of 1962. The team that won hundred games last year and made the playoffs. Um, so it's last year. I mean, yes, it's devastating that they blew the division in the last week of the season, um, they had all these chances to win it, but they're still going for it. Big yeah. time. And we can't forget also the Mets started the offseason by paying Edwin Diaz like a hundred million dollar contract mm-hmm. to, to begin the offseason, making him one of the highest paid closers of all time. So the Mets are definitely serious. I think an X factor for the Mets this year is going to be that Japanese pitcher that you're not too sure of the pronunciation of just yet because you see someone like Chris Bassett walking free agency. 
Verlander and Scherzer are still pitching like they're at the top of their game, but we cannot (laughs) deny the fact that they're both very old men that could break down at any point. So a guy like Senga coming over from Japan, he's going to have every opportunity to be that number three, number four starter in their rotation with upside and really have a chance to prove himself to being maybe uh, better than what we even realize and maybe being good enough to be a frontline rotation starter. And that guy can work out and really pitch like a Chris Bassett level pitcher and be the number three starter again for the New York Mets. I think he's a huge X factor when you think about the future of that rotation because the rotation is terribly old, but he, the Japanese pitcher, is not even 30 years old yet. I think he turns 30 years old this year. So he could be the future of that rotation and he could be the guy that the Mets build around for the next few years. All right. We are still here with Miller Thomas. We're talking about some of the biggest moves of the offseason. Um, I'm going to be bringing up another team right now and one that has had a very busy offseason and made one gigantic splash move, but also made a couple of the smaller moves that made me realize hmm, they have uh, they have their eyes on October right now. And I say splash intentionally because I'm talking about the team by the Bay San Francisco Giants. Obviously, they made their gig- they made a they made a bid to sign Aaron Judge. While that didn't work, it sent out a smoke signal to say we are in the business of signing a big player because the Giants are a big market team, or at least let me rephrase a high revenue team, and they are, and they're acting like it. And they signed Carlos Correa to a uh, a three hundred fifty million. 350 year contract and uh it's a long deal it's a long it's a long long deal is what i'm saying uh it's a 13 year deal which obviously we all know by year 13 he's not gonna be an elite shortstop but they're gonna get a bunch of prime years from carlos correa and he's athletic enough to move to a different position at one point when need be but and that is a big you know splashy move for the Giants. They also added Ross Stripling. They also added um uh yeah. from they also added uh uh, uh Mitch Hanniger. Yeah. You know, they added they're, they're adding some depth to the team. Yes, they lost Carlos Rodon, and that's no small shakes. Okay? But they're they're pitching in one of the best pitchers ballparks, and we all saw with this team when handled correctly. And uh, you know, this is a analytics heavy team that somehow by ways I don't understand won 107 ball games a couple of years ago. I never thought they were as good as 107 wins that they were a couple of years ago. And I don't think they were as bad as the 81 and 81 team as they were now. I think they're somewhere in the middle. I think they're a low high 80, low 90 win team. And I think that they're going to be, I'm predicting them to win 90 games so far. And they are going to be, I don't think they're going to win the division because I think Los Angeles and San Diego are better. But I do think they're going to be a playoff team. And I think adding some of this depth, even with losing Rodon, I think makes them a dangerous team and makes them a team that at least the the front office have shown, yeah, we, we want to do it. Let's go do this. 
And today's episode is brought to you by BetOnline.net because BetOnline.net is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there from pro football to college bowl season to basketball and World Cup. We've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. We're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting info in. Every Sunday before the NFL slate of games kick off, I go to BetOnline.net. Online, I check in on the Saints, and if the Saints are underdogs that day, guess what? I'm taking out my little wallet, I'm taking out my credit card, and I'm putting all my money, the whole house, on the Saints money line. Yes, I will, and guess what? I'll probably go into debt doing that. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet online where the game starts. Yeah, and for me, you know, I've always been a little bit more down on the Giants than probably you. But for me, I thought the college career move was maybe the fourth biggest needle mover transaction of the offseason because this wasn't necessarily a move that made the Giants World Series contenders. But this was a move that changed the vibe of the franchise. It, it, it showed that the Giants are not afraid to open up their wallets and spend some money because talking to Ben Caspic of Lockdown Giants, that seems to be the hesitancy with the franchise the last few years. Is this team serious about spending money in the offseason has seemed to be an overarching narrative surrounding this Giants franchise the last few years. And this offseason, they've gone all in on competing with the other NL West teams in terms of the Dodgers and Padres when it comes to the payroll, because we know the reported Aaron Judge contract that they were going to give him. And then you see Carlos Correa. They ponied up the money for him. The Giants are showing that they are serious about trying to win in that division. And I still don't love this team as like a World Series contender, but I definitely think they're way more relevant now where Carlos Correa. I like the Mitch Hanager move. They brought back Jock Peterson as well. I don't love Carlos Rodon leaving because I think he's a stud, but like you said, in that pitcher's ballpark, they have great depth behind Logan Webb with the Ross Striplings and some other pitchers already in that rotation. So this Giants team, I think it will be good. They always get surprise performances from other dudes in their lineup they might not expect, so I'll be on the lookout for those guys. So right now, I'll probably say this is a pretty frisky Giants team. They'll be on the edge of the wild card and potentially could make the playoffs. But just getting Carlos Correa in the building as a foundational piece for your lineup for the next 13 years is just sending a bad signal out to the rest of the free agents that the Bay is back in business and we can be a home for free agents in the future. And there's one other big free agent signing there was that I think was also uh, might be as impactful as Correa. And it's and again, it's a signing that I look at going, oh, man, what a perfect fit was the Philadelphia Phillies signing Trey Turner. Okay, And the Phillies, you know, obviously uh, Dombrowski's job when a team hires Dombrowski, a team, the management is saying we want to win a pennant, go spend money and go go spend money on the right people and go trade prospects for the right players. And look at what has happened since he's taken over Philadelphia. They went from totally irrelevant to going to the World Series. Yes, he's doing it by spending money, trading prospects, and signing free agents. But do you know what? 
would you rather there there were what 28 other teams watching the world series last year not playing in it and one of the teams playing in it were the phillies who got to within two wins of winning the freaking world series and one of the, the needs that they had was shortstop and so there's trey turner one of the best shortstops in baseball with still a few really, really good years gets to be teammates with Bryce Harper again, put him in the lineup with Schwarber, put him in that, you know, Hoskins in that super powerful lineup. Um, they, the lineup for Philadelphia is much better now. And they were already pretty dang good. Mm-hmm. And Trey Turner is, you know, a winner, a big part of the world series champion in Washington uh, fit in perfectly with L.A. I have no clue why L.A. let him walk. None. I don't care who they have bubbling in their farm system right now. You had Trey freaking Turner in your infield. You keep him. I, I don't quite understand the Dodgers offseason. Um, uh, you know, besides keeping Kershaw, uh, they haven't made a big splash this offseason. Maybe the retreat. I don't know. I don't know what. I don't know what's going on. But uh, the defending National League champions bringing Trey Turner into the fold, into that lineup, uh, I thought was just, you know, again, even if the final years are not great, I, I, I've been I've been saying this for the last bunch of episodes. I'm tired of people putting bad contract, good contract solely in the prism of the ownership. You know, Trey Turner had some great years where he was playing for about $500,000. Aaron Judge had a bunch of years where he gave the Yankees MVP caliber season for less than $600,000. So, yeah, maybe some of the years at the end he'll be paid for, uh, you know, not great seasons, but it's making up. Like, why is it always put in the prism? Like, the Manny Machado contract is a phenomenal contract for Manny Machado because if he has another MVP caliber season, he said, okay, let's test the waters. And if he doesn't, he said, ah, do you, I don't think I'm going to opt out this year. That's a good contract. The team may not for Manny, but we always look at good contract, bad contract in the prism of the – anyway, I'm, I don't want to get on another soapbox because last week I did a whole sermon. And, uh, uh, and by the way, uh, I'm going to play that part of the podcast where I did went into an impromptu Jackie Robinson sermon. <laughs> I'm going to put that in uh, uh, an episode for next week. So you'll hear part of that next week. So that should be a lot of fun. And I have an important announcement from the NHTSA. Did you know that driving high is considered driving under the influence? That's right. Driving under the influence of marijuana is against the law in every state, even in the states where marijuana is legal. That means driving high could get you a DUI. And if you think law enforcement officers can't tell when you're driving high, you're wrong. Your friends can tell. Your coworkers can tell. Even your parents can tell. Everyone can tell. So what makes you think the law enforcement officers don't know when you're driving high? Driving under the influence of marijuana can slow your response time and change how you perceive time and speed. So even if you think you're fine to drive when you're high, you're not. Because the bottom line is, if you feel different, you drive different. And driving high is driving under the influence. So remember, drive high. Get a DUI paid for by NHTSA.
Yeah, it sounds like you're talking about like MLB reparations with these long term contracts for how these players are. Severely you said it. I, you said it. I didn't. I don't want to uh, send your send your complaints to to Miller Tom. Who can make that joke? I cannot. Yeah, I'll make that joke. I don't have a problem with it. I'll stand by and put my flag on it. Yeah, Trey Turner. I had him checking in as the number three biggest needle mover of the offseason. It is interesting. The Dodgers the last year offseason. When you think about the kind of trades that they've made and then the players they let walk, they traded for the Manny Machados. They traded for the Max Scherzers. They traded for the Trey Turners. They let all of them walk in free agency instead of instead of signing them to long long-term deals it makes you wonder like why the Dodgers are so picky and choosy when it comes to certain players they want to resign the Mookie Betts and the Freddie Freemans but they let the Manny Machados and Trey Turner's walk it's interesting how they pick and choose their players that they're interesting case study to watch but Trey Turner going to the Philadelphia Phillies I have it as number three because I feel like Bogarts the Padres makes a tougher and stronger lineup than Turner to the Phillies but Turner to the Phillies adds a lot more championship equity than Carlos Correa to the Giants so that's kind of like my whole mindset there Turner, Bryce Harper, reunited once again. Dave Dombrowski, not afraid to go all in. He's the kind of GM I want running my team. I don't want the Shane Blooms, the kinds that blow it up after a 2018 World Series. Like, what are you doing? Bring in Dave Dombrowski. Blow up my farm system because you look at that Mookie Betts trade. They just DFA'd Jeter Downs this past week. That has been a complete disaster. The D-backs traded Zach Greinke and Paul Goldschmidt. Guess what? All those players are pretty much complete disasters. When you trade your superstar away, you pretty much get back bust most of the time in the deal. Go ask the Miami Marlins, the Stan deal, the Yelich deal, all those players are bust. Give me Dave Dombrowski, a man who's not afraid to take a couple of blue chip prospects and throw it at the Chicago White Sox and bring in a Chris Sale, who was fantastic during your 2018 World Series run. Bring in a Dave Dombrowski, who just spent this who spent a whole lot of money the past couple of off seasons and got a wild card team to the world series. Give me Dave Dombrowski to be the leader of my front office because he's a man with values that I respect Sully. That's right. That's the way to do it. He understands the, the key is winning and, and a prospect. I mean, so many times you, I mean, you made a great point. I mean, how many times do we see these, these, you know, stars are being traded for a big pile of prospects. How many times do the prospects totally fizzle out? Like I mean, the Mookie Betts trade is quickly turning into one of the worst trades in baseball history. It's basically a Verdugo for Betts swap at this point. Yeah, yeah. there you go. I, I think we could have avoided Verdugo for Betts. So so John Henry can save $9.42. Um, the last thing I want to bring up is the biggest trade that took place in the offseason, which is uh, the, the wild three-way trade uh, with Sean Murphy, uh, is now going to the Atlanta Braves. Uh, you know, Manny Pena to the A's, William Contreras to the Brewers. A, lo- a lot of people whose names we don't know bouncing yeah. back and forth. The Random main thing, uh, you know, some of the best prospects in the Brewers and the Braves system are now going to Oakland, and we'll see which one of them become major leaguers who are then traded for three players, and then each one of those players will be for three, three more players. But Sean Murphy is going to the Atlanta Braves, one of the best catchers in the game is going to one of the best teams in the game. Uh, I think this is a great, great move for Atlanta. Uh, to be honest, I was like, man, I wish I, the D-backs were the Milwaukee Brewers in that trade because honestly, I want the William Contreras in that deal. I know Sean Murphy by the advanced metric, the defensive numbers, they love him, but William Contreras was an all-star last year. A guy that hit 300, 800 plus, home, uh, 800 plus OPS, 20 plus home runs. Like, I want the William Contreras in that deal instead of the Sean Murphy for a lot cheaper with some better offensive production. I thought that was a steal by the Milwaukee Brewers, but I thought the best trade of the offseason was actually the C 
Seattle Mariners picking up a little Teoscar Hernandez yep. to scare yep. up. That, that was the fifth biggest needle mover transaction of the offseason in my opinion on my list because julio rodriguez definitely needed some offense with him in that lineup he got a boy that can match him in offense with the tiasker hernandez so i like those two together then real quick sully i found it pretty funny we talked about all these transactions today and we didn't talk about one that I think a Bryce Patrick would be a little upset by. Jacob DeGrom, not one of the biggest transactions this offseason. Well, I did mention him. I did talk about how that we he was signed him. that by by the, you know he he left the Mets. Uh, I there's a I, I think it's a good move for the Rangers to a degree in that it's sort of that and bringing in uh, Bruce Bochy to be the manager along with last year's signings of Seager and Semyon is showing the Rangers want to win now, but we all know DeGrom is not going to give you 25 starts. DeGrom is going to be hurt for a big chunk of this year. It just, that's just the way it is with him. And he's, when he's healthy, he is the best pitcher in the national league, but he's so rarely healthy. And, um, he has no goodwill in the bank in Texas. He has nothing but goodwill in the bank in New York. So, I mean, there is a possibility this could be a move that could bite Texas in the butt. Yeah. Uh, because if he if he flames out in Texas, um, then there's I – mean, then, and they're on the hook with him for a bunch of years, then that is a bad signing. Uh, I, if there's any sign that could potentially be a bust, and I hate to say this because I like DeGrom, uh, but the DeGrom signing is incredible risk. Yeah, a lot of risk. That's why I checked in at number six on my list. And also, I'm just not there yet with the Rangers. I'm sorry, Locked On Rangers people. I'm sorry, Bryce Patrick. I'm just not there with the Rangers just yet. Jacob deGrom will move the needle for them, add some wins. But if you don't get those 25 starts like Sully's talk about, I don't know how good that team is going to be. So we'll see with the Texas Rangers. But really quick to round out my list, Sully, I had number seven, Jose Abreu to the Astros. Number Mm -hmm. eight, Wilson Contreras to the St. Louis Cardinals. Number nine, I did have the Japanese pitchers to the the Mets because I think he's a big X factor. The number yeah, 10, I had yeah. Chris Bassett to the Toronto Blue Jays because of that yeah. number three starter buying Gosman Manoa and then maybe your 2023 potential Cy Young Award winner, Jose Barrios. I don't know why I keep breaking that job at you. I'm sorry. No, I'm I'm sorry. Put my neck out. You put your neck out. You know, <laughs> we should. We have to go look at one of my wrong predictions so you could throw it back in my face because yeah. I don't know why that one just sticks out in my mind so much. I think Toronto's going to be very good. I think the Teoscar Hernandez trade um, – and, and the Bassett signing fortified their pitching staff and bringing in Kiermaier uh, doesn't completely supplant Teoscar Hernandez, but at least gives them uh, a, a solid major leaguer in that position. Well, we got a solid major leaguer at the position every Monday. Miller Thomas, tell people where they can follow you. Yeah, follow me on Twitter at CareerThomas24 for my personal account. Look up Locked on Dimebacks, both Twitter, Instagram, on all your podcasting platforms, and we're on YouTube as well. So please hit subscribe on the Locked on Dimebacks YouTube channel. Yeah, and thanks so much for making Locked On MLB your first listen today. Make your second listen, obviously, Locked On Diamondbacks. Your third listen, have it be Locked On Sports Today. Peter Bukowski brings you the biggest stories from around the sports world in 20 minutes. Get the analysis and opinions before anyone else with our local and national experts and insiders. Locked On Sports Today podcast is available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Talking about the Diamondbacks for a minute and a half and then going through all the other teams that made big moves coincidentally none of them based in arizona this has been the locked on dimebacks locked on mlb crossover he's miller thomas i'm your pal sully let's fist pump and call it a week
That's it for this edition of the Locked on Dimebacks podcast. Come back tomorrow for more Dimebacks news coverage and insight because we got our last podcast of the week dropping on Friday and then hopefully to be on a more normal schedule after the holiday break. So we'll see what happens there. But tomorrow we got a conversation discussing the Zips projections for the D-backs roster in 2023. So we'll discuss our takeaways, look at some free agents that are still on the market that the D-backs should consider going after and a whole bunch more. So come back tomorrow for more Dimebacks news coverage and insight. Thank you for making Lockdown Dimebacks your first listen every day. Make your second listen of the day, the Lockdown Sports Today podcast, where you go behind the scenes and be on the scoreboard with insights from your local experts available wherever you get your podcasts and on youtube and all your streaming platforms and as always stay safe stay healthy deuces